Live from the Saints headquarters in Tolleson, Arizona, spreading the gospel, equipping the saints, standing for the word of truth, proclaiming God's grace. Grace, grace, Now, on a podcast near you, welcome your host, Pastor Joshua, on the Saints Will Overcome Ministries. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Pastor Joshua. We're firing on all cylinders. We're fighting the enemy on his own territory. We're being used by God to grab these souls so they can be entered into heaven. We're vessels for the Lord doing his work. Can I get an amen, ladies and gentlemen? So we're back today to leave off on what we were discussing about Noah. But first, I want to talk about something, ladies and gentlemen, that's on the news everywhere. Everybody's talking about probably one in four Americans believe in them. Can you guess what that is? Aliens. Now, ladies and gentlemen, a lot of people have more faith in alien beings than they do Jesus Christ. And this is something that I've come across all the time, whether I'm in public or talking to somebody in private. And I used to be at a barbecue and just think it was a joke. You know, uh, they want to talk about aliens. This is crazy. Here we go again. But this is a serious issue. People are worshiping aliens, trying to invite them uh, to the planet so they can commune with them. And I was watching a documentary, Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind. And it was amazing to me how Satan repackages lies throughout history with the skin of the truth to deceive God's people or to deceive the individual that's already being deceived and let him drive himself into further deception, him or her. And I'll give you an example. When I was watching this Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind, this individual, this so-called doctor, um, What he liked to do is incorporate a lot of Buddhism in his methods to contact aliens, Uh, Hinduism, Buddhism, whatever he wanted to call it. It even seems like there were some elements of Scientology in there. So what he does is he's doing the work of the devil, to be honest, because he's taken all the underpinnings of the ancient religions and he's amalgamizing them and he's deceiving people. Over and over and over. And anybody that watched that documentary, I suggest that you do the research so you could really find out and see how he went and tricked and deceived and charged people. So even though the Bible is not totally explicit about alien beings, we do know that we're unique in the universe and we're the apple of God's eyes. So a lot of people do ask me, so Pastor Joshua, you're not going to believe in aliens? And I would say Absolutely not. I guess when a little green man walks out of a spaceship in my front yard, I'll be back on the show and we'll have discussion. But the problem that I have is the lack of evidence, the lack of credulity. And it's always that way. Supposedly, these beings are just everywhere and anywhere. But at the same time, the evidence is so lacking. It's ridiculous and the claim cannot be substantiated. So, ladies and gentlemen... I encourage people, if they put enough effort and enough faith into searching the scriptures 
in a society, we wouldn't be so deficient as to search for beings from another galaxy, from another planet, from another space-time continuum. Ladies and gentlemen, this is an important issue because what I've noticed is people, individual, society, simply replaces God with aliens. One of the tricks, one of the deceptions by the devil. And I'll challenge you and ask you this question. All the news we watch, everything we see, all the document documentaries on TV, how often do you ever hear about God? Pretty much never, ladies and gentlemen. So what I'm going to do is just play a little sound bite here because, you know, we like to have fun here on our show on The Saints Will Overcome. So, ladies and gentlemen, are you ready? As far as ancient astronaut theorists are concerned, evidence that there is other intelligent life in the universe has already been found on every corner of the globe. They believe Earth has been visited by intelligent beings for thousands of years and that it most likely began during the time of the ancient Sumerian kings. Khorsabad, Iraq, March 23rd, 1843. While excavating for archaeological treasures, a group of men led by French scientist Paul-Emile Bata came upon the remains of a huge Assyrian palace. And within it, and abundance of Sumerian cuneiform inscriptions. When translated, the inscriptions told of what archaeologists believe to be the world's oldest civilization and a group of powerful beings called the Anunnaki. The Anunnaki was a term of the gods used by the ancient Sumerians, but the original form of it, it simply meant the sky people. It meant those that were connected with the stars. The Anunnaki were seen to be the givers of civilization to mortal kind, and they are described as having these shining eyes and having a radiance and an otherworldly feeling about them. Based on 30 years of studying the Sumerian cuneiform tablets, in 1976, author and researcher Zechariah Sitchin published a book called The Twelfth Planet, in which he proposed that the Sumerian gods were, in fact, refugees from another world. According to Sitchin's interpretation of the tablets, these alien visitors, the Anunnaki, created humankind. It appears to be that gods came down and literally started a colonization project here on Earth, creating us in their image and after their likeness. It also might stand to reason then that they've infused us with the desire to then spread this colonization project beyond Earth. I think if you look at what we've been doing in our space program, it's a blueprint for what may have happened here a long time ago with extraterrestrials. But I think we're on the same path. We're beginning to understand that the Anunnaki gods that were actually ETs could be still out throughout the universe. That we could now, as we are starting to head out into space, be encountering the prime intelligence that originally had civilizations on Earth 
and we're working throughout this solar system. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back once again with the ultimate, the great alien deception. Ladies and gentlemen, a lot of people are being deceived. And, you know, from my understanding, there is a possibility of aliens being demonic. Being demonic because there's a juxtaposition of people not even entertained with God or leaving the faith because the alien complex the alien delusion has got them confused. And I call them UDDs, Unidentified Demonic Deceptions, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and I know I'll probably upset some people, but I just kind of look at the fruit that it produces. And I'm not really worried about it. I don't wake up every day thinking about it. Um, I just challenge people to put as much effort into God, into Jesus Christ, um, as they would an alien. I just don't think it's beneficial. I think don't think it's going to go anywhere. I don't think it's a good idea at all, ladies and gentlemen. So we're going to continue on, ladies and gentlemen, with Genesis chapter 7. Here we go. Remember, we talked about Noah. We talked about the flood. We talked about the corruption on the earth. We talked about how he was building an ark for him and his family, right? So here we go. We're going to leave off on chapter 7. The Lord then said to Noah, go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of every kind of clean animal, a male and its mate, and one pair of every kind of unclean animal, a male and its mate. we got to stop right there, ladies and gentlemen, because seven is a number of fullness, is a number of totality. One could even say it's God's number. And we don't really understand the mystery of what seven means, but we know when there's a seven involved in any way in scripture that it's a serious thing it's serious business and falling short of that perfection of the magnitude of that seven we end up with the six which a lot of times six is used as the personification of e evil just like um, which i'll teach in revelations which i believe it was talking about neural caesar but there's a lot of different wavering opinions uh, as far as diocletian domitian and different emperors so um We'll talk about that later, but let's continue on, ladies and gentlemen. And also seven pairs of every kind of bird, male and female, to keep their various kinds alive throughout the earth. Seven days from now I will send rain on the earth and 40 days and 40 nights, and I will wipe from the face of the earth every living creature that I made. So you see, ladies and gentlemen, the Lord is preserving the earth. He's preserving the animals, and he does care, uh, you know kind of not uh, digressing here or regressing, but the Lord has a special place in his heart for animals. There's not a sparrow that falls from the sky and the Lord does not know about it. So um, how we treat animals, the Lord will look at us and he will take that into account because them are his creations, not ours. So he's telling Noah, gather two of every kind and I'm going to have you be a caretaker of these animals on the ark. Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters came on the earth. And Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives entered the ark to escape the waters of the flood. Pairs of clean and unclean animals, of birds, and of all creatures that move along on the ground, male and female, came to Noah and entered the ark. 
as God has commanded Noah. And after seven days, the floodwaters came on the earth. And when we read Genesis, you might say, what's this situation about the clean and unclean animals? And when we fast forward into the future and we look at the Pharisees in the New Testament and even um, when they're traveling in the wilderness and the Old Testament and the Jews, their identity, um, God commanded them to only eat certain animals, which he labeled clean animals. And Peter, when he's on the top of the roof of Cornelius' house, he sees some critters rolling down a sheet, and God basically tells him, eat, because I have made all things clean. But we're jumping way ahead. So basically, God is setting something up here. He's setting his people up, the Israelites, the chosen people. And what is going to evolve out of that, out of the Jews, is the church. And so we're just kind of explaining why there are clean and unclean animals. Because God's going to use that as an object teaching lesson to show how his people are different than all the other nations of the world. Let's continue, ladies and gentlemen. On that very day, Noah and his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, together with their wife and the wives of his three sons, entered the ark. They had with them every kind of animal according to its kind, all livestock according to their kind, every creature that moves along the ground according to its kind, and every bird according to its kind, everything with wings. Pairs of all creatures that have the breath of life in them came to Noah and entered the ark. And this is an amazing thing because Noah didn't have to wrangle them up, wrestle them up. He wasn't like a, a rancher uh, wrestling cattle with the sheepdog. These animals simply were commanded by God to enter the ark. And without any disturbance or any resistance, they simply walked on the ark because that's how God chose it to be. The animals going in were male and female of every living thing as God has commanded Noah. Then the Lord shut him in. Forty, for forty days the flood kept coming on the earth and as the waters increased they lifted the ark high above the earth. The waters rose and increased greatly on the earth and the ark floated on the surface of the water. They rose greatly on the earth, and all the high mountains under the entire heavens were covered. The waters rose and covered the mountains to a depth of more than 15 cubics. Every living thing that moved on the land perished, birds, livestock, wild animals, all the creatures that swarm over the earth, and all mankind. Everything on dry land that had the breath of life in its nostrils died. Every living thing on the face of the earth was wiped out. People and the animals and the creatures that moved along the ground and the birds were wiped out from the earth. Only Noah was left and those with him in the ark. The waters flooded the earth for a hundred and fifty days. Ladies and gentlemen, we're lucky that we're even here. That God has showed us the grace to ensure that we're alive, that we can worship him, that we can praise him. So what are we going to do with the time that we have left, ladies and gentlemen? What are we going to do with the precious moments that we have left to reconcile our relationships, to let our children know that we love them, to honor God, to be servants to humanity, to find that joy with not being self-centered, but ultimately 
being mindful of the one that is self-centered because everything revolves around him and that is the creator God, ladies and gentlemen. So we're going to continue on with chapter 8. But God remembered Noah and in all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark. And he sent a wind over the earth and the waters receded. See, God controls all the elements, the wind, everything else. And you got to we got to remember this is a a fallen world that Noah's in. So God is going to redeem the creation. He is going to redeem the earth um, as far as making it new. And he's going to bring the new Jerusalem down uh, in the last days when everything is over. And he's going to abide with us. And it says that in Revelations, ladies and gentlemen. Now let's continue on. He controls the wind. It recedes. Now the springs of the deep and the floodgates of the heavens have been closed. And the rain has stopped falling from the sky. The water receded steadily from the earth. At the end of the 150 days, the water had gone down. And on the 17th day of the seventh month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. The waters continued to recede until the 10th month. And on the first day of the 10th month, the tops of the mountains became visible. After 40 days, Noah opened a window. He had made in the ark, and he sent out a raven, and it kept flying back and forth until the water had dried up on the earth. Then he sent out a dove to see if the water had receded from the surface of the ground. But the dove could find nowhere to perch because there was water all over the surface of the earth. So it returned to Noah in the ark. He reached out his hand and took the dove and brought it back to himself in the ark. He waited seven more days and again sent out the dove from the ark. When the dove returned to him in the evening, there in its beak was a freshly plucked olive leaf. And we got to stop right there, ladies and gentlemen, because isn't that amazing uh, that we look at the first thing that that dove got, which was the symbol of peace, which was the symbol of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. And it descended on Jesus like a dove, the Holy Spirit. And olive oil back then was used for medicinal purposes to cook it was of great wealth of great need and not just that it was used to anoint kings so here we see a shadow and a type of what's coming in the future ladies and gentlemen and it's just amazing if we read between the lines then Noah knew that the water had receded from the earth he waited seven more days and sent the dove out again but this time it did not return to him. But the first day of the month, of the first month of Noah's six hundred and first year, the water had dried up from the earth. Noah then removed the covering from the ark and saw that the surface of the ground was dry. By the twenty-seventh day of the second month, the earth was completely dry. Then God said to Noah, Come out of the ark, you and your wife, and your sons and their wives. Bring out every kind of living creature that is with you, the birds, the animals, and all the creatures that move along the ground, so they can multiply on the earth and be fruitful and increase in number on it. So Noah came out together with his sons and his wife and his sons' wives, all the animals and all the creatures that move along the ground, and all the birds. Everything that moves on land came out of the ark, one kind after another. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord 
and taking some of the clean animals and the clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. Ladies and gentlemen, that's really interesting because if you start reading through the Bible and as we read more and more and more, this was, uh, you can kind of say the paradigm of the original sacrifice in a sense of sacrificing animals and that was a testimony of the one that was supposed to be sacrificed, the ultimate clean one, which was looking to the future of Jesus Christ sacrifice. And just like the water, in a sense, was a baptism in carrying Noah through all the dangers and all the turmoils. And the Bible actually says that, and we'll read that later on, and we'll get into that in some further scripture. This water is symbolic of carrying Noah through and sustaining him and maintaining him. And he offers this, this burnt offering to God. And the Bible says that it's a sweet aroma to God, these sacrifices. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. And that's amazing. Um, ladies and gentlemen, when I talk to a lot of people, they say they're good. They say they don't sin. They say, well, I'm good. I don't do this. I don't do that. I don't lust. I don't cuss. I don't have an evil thought. Or, or you know, I've never thought about hurting somebody or taking a life. Or, you know, I've... I've counseled a lot of people, and we're fallen beings. I'm not judging a person on whether the enemy is trying to attack them or manipulate them. I mean, he tempts everybody with terrible things, but it's what we do with these actions that incriminate us, that indict us, that we're found guilty of. And the Lord's grace is so sufficient that he can forgive us for anything, ladies and gentlemen. But... Every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. Isn't that amazing? That's not a platitude. That's not a educated guess. Um, that's not a statistic that a statistician got to put together. That is considered a fact. And that is the illness that sin causes when Adam and Eve ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It's a terminal condition we all have. And only God can rescue us from that and sanctify us through this walk and then ultimately glorify us at the end. And God said, and never again I will destroy all living creatures as I have done. As long as the earth endures, sea time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. Ladies and gentlemen, the Lord is great. The Lord is amazing. The Lord is full of love. I want to sit here and say a prayer with you, ladies and gentlemen, before we close this out on the Saints Will Overcome Ministries. Bow our head and let's just pray this prayer. Father God, I want to pray for anybody listening on this radio, on this podcast, that if they're struggling and they're making anything an idol in their heart besides you, trying to please their self, whether it's money, drugs, alcohol, sex, things that are considered abomination to you. I pray that you release them, that you work with them, that you illuminate their mind and strengthen their heart, that when they stumble, they shouldn't shatter, but you shall pick them up when they fall and they should move on courageously because the enemy wants people to stumble and think that they're broken. He wants them to think that a fall is permanent 
But Lord, we understand that that's a process in our sanctification. That's a process for you to glorify us. It's a process so we can fall deeper in love with you. For pain is the chiseling and suffering is the chisel in your hand that you use to shape us, Lord. I pray for everybody out there that's not saved, that right now confessing in their heart and in their mind that Christ is the Lord and forsake every other God, every other alien, every other creation, every other deception by the devil and embrace God fully that his name be written in the book of life, Lord. And we pray this prayer in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, God bless you all. This is Pastor Joshua. Until next time on the Saints Will Overcome Ministries. God bless you and have a good night. Yeah, let's give it up to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. The one that we need, the one that redeemed us by his blood. Yeah. Lord, I need you. Lord, I want you. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need to be saved. I need your power. I'm a Samson. I'm a David. I need your grace today. I need your mercy. I want your passion. Lord, I need you. I need your grace today. Lord, I need you. Lord, I want you. I want your power. Lord, I need to be saved. I'm a David. I'm a Samson. Lord, I need you. I need your grace today. I need your love, Lord. I leave your mercy. Lord, I need you. Yeah, I need to be saved. Lord, I need you. Lord, I want you. Lord, I need you. Yeah, you're the chosen you're one. The king. Lord, I need you. Lord, I love you. Lord, I need you. Yeah, you're the chosen you're one. You wanna be a David? Wanna be a Samson? I had it with this world. I pick up my three shining stones. Gonna send the Philistines. Gonna send the enemy home. I'm not alone. Every time I pray, I reach out to you, Lord. Every day, I confess to the King. I just wanna sing songs. Lord, go ahead and sing back to me. I'm a David. David. I'm a Samson. With this world of so much pain, cause I had it. Yeah. I got the 66 books, right. I got the enemy shook. You redeem me, no longer a crook. Yeah. Lord, I love you, you're the only one. Thank you, God, cause you sent your son. son. Baptized in the fire, baptized in the water. There ain't no going back, there ain't no going back. Nah.